translation responsibility. Sri Shukadeva Goswami continued. Srila Shukadeva Goswami continued. Thus advised by Lord Brahma. And relieved of their anxiety. All the demigods went to the sage Vishwarupa, the son, the son of Twashta, a dear king. They embraced him and spoke as follows. There's no purport. I'll read a few more verses. The demigods said, Beloved Vishwarupa, May there be all good fortune for you. We, the demigods, have come to your ashram as your guests. Please try to fulfill our desires according to the time, since we are on the level of your parents. O Brahman, the highest duty of a son, even though he has sons of his own, is to serve his parents. They want to speak of a son who is a brahmachari. The Acharya, the spiritual master, who teaches all the Vedic knowledge and gives initiation by offering the sacred thread, is the personification of all the Vedas. Similarly, a father personifies Lord Brahma, a brother, King Indra, a mother, the planet Earth, and a sister, Mercy. A, great per, uh, a guest personifies religious principles. And an invited guest personifies the demigod, Agni, and all living entities personify Lord Vishnu, the supreme, <coughs> the supreme personality of Godhead. According to the moral instructions of Chanakya Pandit Atmavat Sarvabhuteshu, one should observe all living entities on the same level as oneself. This means that no one should be neglected as inferior because Paramatma is seated in everyone's body. Everyone should be respected as a temple of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This verse describes the different ways in which one should respect a guru, a father, a brother, a sister, a guest, and so on. Okay, so, uh, yesterday we did verse 13, we did 33. Yeah, till 33 is covered. Today is 34. Today is 34. Yeah. And 26 is written on the book. That is, uh, the, uh, I read it through, I read it through many verses yesterday. So we have a very well organized situation. Yeah. <laughs> so would you like me to continue to read it? Yeah, please. Oh, okay. Till 34. Till 34. Yeah. Okay, very well organized. You can definitely go to 34 because yesterday we read 33. Okay, very well. Okay, one day hopefully we will get things together because this is not very well organized. Okay, so 31. <coughs> Dear son, we have been defeated by our enemies and therefore we are very much aggrieved. Please mercifully fulfill our desires by relieving our distress through the strength of your austerities. Please fulfill our prayers. Since you are completely aware of the Supreme Brahman, 
you are a perfect Brahmana. And therefore, therefore you are the spiritual master of all orders of life. We accept you as our spiritual master and director, so that by the power of your austerity, we may easily defeat the enemies who have conquered us. The demigods continue, do not fear criticism for being younger than us. Such etiquette does not apply in regard to Vedic mantras. Except in relationship to Vedic mantras, seniority is determined by age. But one may offer respectful obeisances even to a younger person who is advanced in chanting Vedic mantras. Therefore, although you are junior in relationship to us, you may become our priest without hesitation. So now, now I'm up to Sugadev Goswami continued, when all the demigods requested the great Vishwarupa to be their priest, Vishwarupa, who was advanced in austerity and was very pleased, he replied to them as follows. <coughs> so I'll stop there. Tomorrow they can continue. Are they happy people? Will we get the right verse tomorrow? Okay. Not very good. Not very well organized. <laughs> Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Sapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Gedamayam Dadati Swabhutam Tikam Mancha Kalpatu Rupyascha Kripasindu Dievacha Pachitanam Pavanepyo Vaishnavepyo Namo Namaha Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Shri Akweta Gedata Shivasati Gora Bhaktivinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Krishna Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Hare Hare. So, this chapter is entitled Indra Affairs Brihaspati. So, uh, one of the main things of the chapter is Guru Tattva. There are many types of tattvas uh, in our philosophy. We have Vishnu Tattva, Shakti Tattva, Shiva Tattva, uh, and Guru Tattva, uh, Jiva Tattva. There are many. So we have to understand all these things. One of the main problems uh, with the main people who come in contact with Hinduism or who call themselves Hindus is they're very confused about the absolute truth. Uh, there, there's no clear definition. Even I was speaking to someone yesterday, and uh, they were saying, oh, you know, we're studying yoga at this particular school, and they worship Ganesh. And I said, what does that mean, they worship Ganesh? And they said, oh, well, they offer respect, that is a beauty. Uh, I said, but it's not the, we, it is not the same as being a Vaishnava, as being a servant of Krishna. It is not the same. And I pointed out to these people that uh, as devotees of Krishna, we would give our life for Krishna. I would give my life for Krishna. Uh, we are willing to die for Krishna. That is bhakti. 
That is a devotion. And I said, do these yoga people, would they die for Ganesh? No, they don't have that kind of dedication. So when we talk about, I worship this deity, I worship that deity. Uh, but it is not on the same level. Right? Bhakti means you will do anything for the person. Right? So we have to understand these things properly. And unfortunately, people do not understand all these tattvas. Vishnu tattva, Jiva tattva, Shakti tattva, uh, Guru tattva. Uh, they don't understand all these things properly. People are very sentimental about how everything interrelates and what is actually the absolute truth, the samambhava. Uh, what is, you know, technically, what is the ashraya? Bhagavatam has ten subject matters. What is the final subject matter? You know, the tenth canto is called samambhava, which means ashraya. Ashraya means the, the final shelter. People don't understand the final shelter. There must be a final shelter. There must be a final shelter of everything. Unless you're an impersonalist. Uh, and then you say, well, the final shelter is undifferentiated. Uh, but this is not uh, well substantiated. We can prove it philosophically, based on Shastric evidence, that uh, ultimately the absolute truth is personal. We can prove that. Based on Shastra. Whether you accept it or believe it or not, that's up to you. But we can prove it based on Shastra. If you look at all the Vedic literatures, right, and then you look at all the Puranas, uh, and Jiva Goswami actually points out in Kali Yuga, the Puranas are more important than the original Vedas. Why? Because they explain, they have commentary on the Vedas. So therefore, they're, they're considered more important. Now you look at all the Puranas, how many Puranas are there? 18. 18 major Puranas, 18 minor Puranas. So we have 18 Puranas, and we know that six are in Sattva, six are in Rajas, six are in Tamas. So we have these different types of Puranas. Now, of all the Puranas, the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the Bhagavad Purana, which is one of the six uh, within the category of the Sattvagun Puranas, it has the most commentaries on it. No other Purana has so many commentaries. I think the Vishnu Purana has two commentaries or the Padma Purana, one of the Puranas, has some commentary. But not the others. So all of the Acharyas, the sages in the past, they have focused on the Bhagavatam. Why? Because, because it is the, mm, uh, the natural commentary on all the Vedas. It is Vyasadeva's final uh, work, final commentary on the Vedas. Vyasadeva had actually written the Bhagavatam. It was written the first time round when he wrote all the Puranas and everything. But then, if you read Bhagavatam, uh, first canto, chapter 4, 5, 6, you'll see that Vyasadeva was not satisfied. And then his guru came. Who was his guru? Narada. Narada. And what did Narada say? He said that um, the, 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 the Very good. Yeah, you are not satisfied. Well, the face is the index of the mind. When I look at your face, what can I see? I can see your mind. So when we look at someone's face, what do you see? You see their mind. Uh, are they happy or are they disturbed? Uh, are they peaceful or are they disturbed? Uh, in the age of Kali, everyone is always disturbed. Uh, so you see a lot of disturbed faces. Even I was driving to the temple to give class 
One lady, she came very fast towards the uh, roundabout. Very fast. I slowed down because I thought, oh, maybe she's going to. I looked at her face and like very kind of mm, probably disturbed. Yeah, it wasn't like you know, peaceful. It's like very kind of Hare Krishna. That's not the way you want to start your day. That's why we do sadhana. Like it's 8 o'clock. We've already been up since 4 o'clock. You know, 3 30, 4, 4. We've already been up for many hours. So we are already in a peaceful state of mind. Because we wake up early, we focus on Vishnu, we focus on Krishna. Right? And then the mind becomes purified. Right? And then when you come into the day, you are in a purified state of consciousness. Yeah? Whereas so many people, they just get up, you know, saw people, you drive past, everyone's walking the dog with a cup of coffee. You know, this is your sadhana. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, dog. Hey. Stop walking so fast. Hey. And suddenly, so it will affect your consciousness. How you begin your day affects your consciousness. This is very important. How you begin your day depends on how you finish your day the previous day. It is all interconnected. All these things are interconnected. You have to plan your life. You can't just get up in the morning, oh, I will just drink coffee and walk a dog. You have to plan your life. Sadhana has to be. Get up early, focus on Krishna. So, uh, people, they do not understand these tattvas properly. They become very uh, sentimental. Uh, what is the absolute truth? But if we study Bhagavatam, right, the face is the index of the mind. Narada, he saw Vyasadeva. Uh, he said, okay, you've done it all, you've written it all, you've even written the Bhagavatam, Bhagavat Purana, but you're not satisfied. Huh? Could it be you did not glorify Krishna exclusively? Could it be you did not focus on uh, Amala Bhakti, or Uttama Bhakti, or Shuddha Bhakti, or Kevala Bhakti, pure devotional service? You did not focus on it uh, exclusively? Maybe do it again. So beginning of chapter 7, uh, then we see Yasadeh goes into deep meditation. Right? And then he sees Kali Yuki has Darshan. And then he writes the Srimad Bhagavatam the second time. And that's what we have here, the second version. And the second version is Amala Purana. Srimad Bhagavatam, Purana, Amala, Yadvaishnavana, Priyam. Right? It is pure uh, devotional service as being focused on. It is considered. But amongst all the Shastras, it is considered the final evidence of the Asada. Right? That is authorized. And then what is the uh, the Ashraya or the Samambonam or the or the conclusion of Bhagavatam? Ete Chamsa Kalapunsa, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. This is the motto of Iskot, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Even when the devotees went to South India in the 70s and they were preaching. And Krishna is not as popular in South India. Right? Lord Ram is more popular. Vishnu is more popular. You know, if you go down to South India, how many Krishna temples are there? You know, Udupi, you have, you know, there's not many. It's not like North India, right? Because this is Panchatravita. 
a different tradition. Uh, Vaishnava tradition, a different tradition. This tradition leads more to Vaikuntha. The Gaudiya tradition, uh, which is more in uh, northern India, this leads to Goloka, Vrindavan, to Krishna worship. All the deities in North India generally is Radha Krishna. Now that is more prominent. There's other deities there, but it's more prominent. So, uh, when the devotees went there in the 70s, down in South India, they were preaching. <coughs> but then, they're preaching Krishna as Supreme Personality of Godhead. But people were more interested in Ramachandra. So then, uh, they wrote to Prabhupada, they said, Prabhupada, in our preaching, maybe we should emphasize Ram as Supreme, and Prabhupada said, no, Krishna. Because Prabhupada wanted the Bhagavatam to be represented as it is. Understand everything properly. And this is the problem. People don't understand the tattva. People don't study and they don't understand it all. How it all works. How it all interrelates. Just like yesterday, I was speaking to one uh, person. And they're saying, you know, in our yoga school we worship Ganesh. And I said, yeah, but it's not the same. Uh, the level of bhakti or devotion or commitment or absorption is not the same. Ganesh is a statue they have there. They chant some mantras like that. And then, as we're having our uh, conversation, I chanted Om Shivaya Namaha. And personal, you chant. I said, yeah, of course. We meditate on Shiva, right? In our sadhana, right? I pray to Lord Shiva on a daily basis. But how do we pray to Lord Shiva? We understand Shiva Tattva in relationship to Vishnu Tattva, in relationship to Jiva Tattva, in relationship to Shakti Tattva, in relationship to Guru Tattva. You have to understand how it all fits in. Vaishnavana, Yata Shambhu. Bhagavatam himself says, hey, why are these kids moving around so much? Hey, you two kids, how come you're moving so much? Uh, you're listening to Bhagavatam? Now you have to sit quietly and listen to Bhagavatam. This is temple. Okay? Hare Krishna. Everybody in the world chant. Hare Krishna. So, uh, we should meditate on Lord Shiva in relationship to Lord Krishna. Right? As the greatest servant. We, in our tradition, we look at Shiva as Shetrapal. Uh, Shetrapal means hmm, the protector of the holy God. Okay. What is our goal? Our goal is to enter into Goloka Vrindavan. Prabhupada installed Radha Vallabha here in Melbourne, just down there in St. Kilda, in 1973, which next year will be 50 years since Radha Vallabha arrived here in Melbourne. Right? 50 years. Chota Radha Vallabha arrived here 50 years ago. Just passed. Okay. Now, Radha Vallabha, our larger bees, they arrived next year for 50 years. It will be the anniversary. It's just down there, a few kilometers away. Prabhupada installed uh, Radha and Krishna. Burnett Street, have you been there? Uh, you can go to Burnett Street. You can do Harry Malan and down Burnett Street. Right? Stand outside the house where Radha Vallabha were installed and you can chant. Right? And the people will think you're very strange. They'll come out and say, what, what are you doing? No, no, Krishna was installed here. This is <laughs> a very auspicious place, actually. It's actually a Tirta, uh, that place. Maybe one day we can buy it. Uh, we can use it as uh, maybe Brahmacharya Ashram or something. Some 
maybe one that we can get. It's a holy place. Radha where it's called there. So, uh, this is the, the Vedic system, is that we have to understand uh, the connection between all these things. Uh, people don't understand the connection between the tattva. Now, Prabhupada was there in Berehim, Saul, Radha and Prabhupada said, this is not Melbourne, this is Vaikuntha. And then Prabhupada looked at Radha and he said, this is Vrindavan. Famous, you know, the Prophet said, so this, is this temple we are in, Prabhupada said the whole spiritual world is inside the four walls of this temple. You don't have to go outside, the whole spiritual world is. Right? You have Mayapur down there, right, with Gornitai, this is Mayapur. Then in the middle we have Vrindavan, and then on this side we have Jagannathpuri, or Dwarka, or Kurukshetra, there's many ways you can see this. So the whole, the absolute truth is within the four walls of this temple. <coughs> so we are focused on worshipping Krishna. Now our goal is to go into Goloka Vrindavan. That is our goal. That is the goal of the God of Vaishnavas. Right? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explicitly teaches this. Right? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu teaches the, the love of the gopis is the highest love. Uh, Vrindavandam is the most worshipable place. Srimad Bhagavatam is the spotless Purana. Uh, these are the teachings of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Krishna, Rajendranandana, is the original form of God. If you study Chaitanya Charitamrita, we're studying it carefully at the moment. This is the tattva, this is the expert. The more I study Chaitanya Charitamrita, the more I understand it is the natural commentary on the Bhagavatam. The more you understand, it will give you the explicit. Because in Bhagavatam, for example, Shimati Radharani's name is not directly spoken. Not directly. Indirectly in uh, Rasa Panchajaya, in the 30th chapter of the Tenka, indirectly she's spoken, not directly. And there's a reason for that. But in, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, her name is spoken continuously, continuously. So it's like a natural commentary on the Shima Bhagavatam. They're very special. The more I study, the more I uh, appreciate uh, what Prabhupada has given us. You know, Prabhupada chose everything very carefully. Uh, even when he gave us Chaitanya Charitamrita, he, he was contemplating whether to give us Chaitanya Charitamrita or Chaitanya Bhagavatam. Yeah, he was contemplating. Right. He had a conversation with uh, Achyutananda Swami and Bhavananda Prabhu. And he said to Achyutananda, he said, uh, what should I translate? Chaitanya Bhagavan or Chaitanya Jaramriya? And Achyutananda Swami, he was uh, speaking Bengali. Uh, he was studying, he was living in Bengali. He said, Chaitanya Bhagavan Prabhupada. And then he asked Babananda Prabhu. And he said to Babananda Prabhu, he said, What should I uh, translate? Chaitanya Bhagavan or Chaitanya Charitamrita? And Babananda Prabhu said, He didn't even know the difference between the two. He didn't know. He said, But because Achyutananda uh, had said Chaitanya Bhagavan, Prabhupada said, uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita Prabhupada, 
Il è il nostro posto. Il Chaitanya Jaya Prabhupada ha already made up his mind. Il Prabhupada ha detto, Chaitanya Jaya Prabhupada. Ma è come perfetto. Prabhupada ha detto, perfetto. Presentazione della nostra Gaudiya Philosophia. Chaitanya Jaya Prabhupada è il most confidential of the Shastras in the Gaudiya tradition. I mean, in one sense, there are some more confidential things in one sense, but they're like elaboration upon elaboration. But Chaitanya Chaturanga is extremely intimate, extremely confidential. So, uh, the Bhagavatam itself, it establishes that Krishna is the original personality of God. And our goal as Gaudiya Vaishnava is, is to go to Goloka Vrindavan. And Lord Shiva, is the protector of the holy dharma. You cannot go into Vrindavan. You know, we want to go to Vrindavan. That should be the goal of all of us. Right? Is to go to Vrindavan. But you cannot enter Vrindavan because Lord Shiva protects it. He is Chetrapal. Lord, Lord Shiva is the lord of Ahankara. Ahankara means false eagle. Right? Which is our biggest problem. Right? Because The universe, this universe we're in now, how big is it? Huh? It's something like 311 trillion yojanas. No, it's big. How big that is, we don't know. It's big, it's massive. So we're in a universe like this. So it's this big. Okay. So then, covering the universe, there is a layer of earth which is 10 times bigger than that. So it's like that. If that's the universe, then the earth is that big. And then 10 times bigger than that is the water. So that's about like that. And then 10 times bigger than that is the fire. So that's right over there. And then 10 times bigger than that is the air. So then that goes right out to MSAC. Right? And then from there, we have ether. So then that goes up to Aubrey. Okay. So whole Victoria. This little universe is covered by it. And then you have mind. So mind will take you all the way to Darwin. Uh, and then you have uh, intelligence. So that will take you to Delhi. And this is little universe covered by so much. And then you have Ahankara, which will take you to The moon. <laughs> oh, so much. Actually, I don't know. What it is. <laughs> But, uh, I think if you actually calculate it, it's about 2,000 kilometers or something. It's something like that. It's quite, quite significant. <coughs> so the point is, is that is big covering. But what is the biggest covering? A hunkara, false ego. It's much bigger than everything else in mind. So in other words, that is our biggest problem. False ego. We all have it. We are all controlled by it. Uh, we all are under the influence of it. But we should not let it dominate us. This is the problem. Uh, some of the let it dominate them. That is the problem. Because <laughs> we all have it, but just don't let it control you, that's all. Uh, you have to become submissive. Uh, false ego is there. We all have false ego. Right? All of us. You know, none of us are free from false ego. Now, some of us have big false ego. You know? 
We think we're very significant. But a false ego will give you a lot of problems if you don't learn to control it. So you have to, we all have it. You know, we all think we are very important devotees, very special devotees. All the devotees are special, but I am very special. All the devotees are special. All the devotees are, but I am very special. Right? We think like this. Right? This is called Ahankara. I know 130 verses from Bhagavad Gita. I am very special. Now, until you meet a devotee who knows 400 verses. <laughs> Right. And then I, I know a devotee who's memorized everything, the whole 700 verses. There's even people who've memorized the whole Bhagavatam. Right? I've never met them, but I've, I've heard there are people who've memorized the whole 18,000 verses. Even here now, in Kali Yuga, they memorize the whole thing. It's very significant. So we have false ego. This is our big problem in this world. We all have it, and we're all controlled by it. Like one time, uh, Giriraj Maharaj, he was walking with Prabhupada on the beach. And they were walking on the beach. And he was speaking to Prabhupada and he said, Prabhupada, I got into Maya. <laughs> Prabhupada stopped and put his cane into the sand. And he said, you are always in Maya. <laughs> <laughs> and Prabhupada just kept walking. Right? And then Giriraj Maharaj is so shaken. He offered obeisances, and then he just ran after Prabhupada. So, all of us have false ego. We're always in mind. Now, the test is, for all of us, is that we have to submit ourselves. We have to become humble. This is the test. And we fail sometimes. Sometimes we don't pass the test. But we have to learn. Even though our false ego is there, it's strong. And we have this sense of ourselves, which is probably more elevated or more grand than what it actually is in reality. But we have to learn to submit it. Now one thing you need to learn to do as a devotee, if you want to become humble, hands up if you want to become humble. Yeah, because humility overcomes false ego. So you have to learn to become humble. So how do we become humble? You have to learn to submit yourself right, to the will of the Vaishnavas. You have to listen to the Vaishnavas. Now, my Guru Maharaj, Samar Krishna Maharaj, he, he was very well known for this. He's very strong personality. Right? Arguably the strongest personality in his time after Prabhupada himself. A very strong personality. But he said to us, I heard him say it on a number of occasions, he said, I don't trust one person's mind, any one person's mind, or any one person's opinion, including my own. He was always like that. Even though he was such a strong personality, but he would always speak to the other devotees and get their opinion. He would always say, what do you think I should do? So this is how, this humility allows us to overcome our false ego. We go to the devotees and say, you know, what do you think? Am I acting properly? I'm having a problem with other devotees at the moment. Am I acting properly? And if you do that, the devotees will say to you, actually, you're not acting very nicely at the moment. Actually, you need to improve yourself. Actually, if you're not willing to take criticism, how do you advance in Krishna consciousness? Some people just want to hear nice things all the time. Oh, you know, Prabhuji, you are so nice. 
Mataji, you are so nice. You make such nice garlands. You cook so nicely. You sing so nicely. Right? You just, they, everyone just wants to hear all the good things. But when you're advanced, actually you prefer to hear the criticisms. You know, the good things, they come. Everyone says good things. But you want to hear the criticism. How can I improve? Right? We want to hear, oh, you know, the devotee says, oh, actually, Prabhu, you're a little bit puffed up. You need to listen. <laughs> you need to submit. You need to work in the devotee. If, if all the devotees are saying one thing, right, if all the devotees are telling you, not, you know, a number of devotees, like, you know, if I hear a number of devotees saying something about me, you know, if I hear it like, oh, one devotee says it, and then I hear another devotee says it, and then I think, oh, no, but I think a different way. Who, who is most likely to be correct? Most of the time, it's going to be the, the majority. So if devotees are saying to us, you know, Prabhu or Manaji, you're not, you're not acting very properly, we should listen to that. Right? And then we can overcome the false ego. Right? It's a test. It's a test for all. Sometimes we fail. It's not easy, but we have to do it. Uh, because if you don't overcome false ego, you can't go back to Goloka Vrindava. Lord Shiva will not let you. Try to get through Lord Shiva. Try to pass through him. Try to go around him in the Goloka Oh no, I'm going into Goloka Vrindava, but I'm not giving up my false ego. Right? And try to get past Lord Shiva. Do you think it's possible? You can't go past them. I've had experience in the holy arm. Right? If my consciousness is not right, Lord Shiva just goes. He just hits you. Right? And, and, and this, <coughs> this temple of Melbourne Mahaprabhu Mandir, this is one of the most special temples on the earth. You have to understand that. This temple is one of the most special temples on the earth. It is not an ordinary temple by any means. When you're here, you're in a holy dark. And if you don't act properly, Lord Shiva will. He will keep you out. He will try to get past it. You have to give up your false ego. Very So we have to understand all these things. The Bhagavatam is teaching us very perfectly and very properly what the absolute truth is. What is our goal in Krishna consciousness? It is go to Vrindavan. So we have to understand all these tattvas properly. So here in this chapter, we're hearing primarily about Guru Tattva. Uh, the demigods have lost their Guru. Right? That's not very... You can go. Yeah, go, go. You want to come? Go close, go close. Go close. We will let you go close to Krishna. <laughs> Just don't go onto the altar. So, we're hearing about Guru Tattva, many lessons about Guru Tattva. Bhagavatam teaches all these things, Vishnu Tattva, Shiva Tattva. You have to, if the final authority is the Bhagavatam in our tradition. Mahaprabhu always sees it as the final authority for the Gaudiyas. So Shiva Tattva, Vishnu Tattva, Shakti Tattva, Jiva, everything is spoken. Guru Tattva is being taught in this chapter uh, primarily. So what do we hear about Guru Tattva? Uh, even the, they lost their guru, the demigods. So now they go to Twashta. Right? And Twashta is a young, like Brahmachari, very qualified. Right? The very beginning of the Bhagavatam teaches us this too. Shukadev Goswami. Right? You look at the uh, inner sleeve. Right? This is on every volume of the Bhagavatam. Right? Every single volume. 
right? Every volume on the planet of the Bhagavatam, this picture. This picture is extremely significant. Because who is speaking Bhagavatam? Shukadev, right? And who is sitting there? Who's, who's sitting? Narada and Vyasadev, right? Now, who is Vyasadev? Father. So if your father is there, should you speak in front of him? If he, if he is there and someone says, just like, say you go to a home program, sometimes you go to a home pro program, and someone says, okay, I want, I want one of you to give a uh, class today, not your father. Would you do it? It would be difficult, wouldn't it? Imagine, you know, in front of your father, you just get up and you start saying, Hare Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody chant holy name. Hare Krishna. <laughs> it's possible, you can do it, but it's not generally the etiquette. You know, he's sitting in front of Yasadev. He's, he's sitting in front of his father. Not just in front of his father, in front of his father's guru. Okay, so imagine you're giving class in front of your father's guru. Who's your uh, father's guru? Say Radhana Swami, just as an example. Right? So imagine you're sitting in front of Radhana Swami. Everybody chant the holy name. Hare Krishna! Maharaj chant! Hare Krishna! Imagine. So this is Shukadeva's position. 16-year-old boy walks in. Everybody stands up. Right? His physiognomy was so potent. Just his presence was so potent. All the sages, these were old sages. They came from all over the universe to be with uh, Pariksit at this time. And Shukadeva walks in. Everyone stands up. Right? Now we're going to ask not stand because they are superior. Uh, but <laughs> he walks in. And they say, you speak. Narada says, you speak. Yeah? Narada is one of the 12 Mahajanas. But out of the 12 Mahajanas, Shukadeva is the most elevated of the 12. Right? So when he comes, then even Narada says, you speak. If you look at the whole Bhagavatam, most of it's Narada. It's Narada's instructions. Right? He's, the, he's probably the most prominent guru in the Bhagavatam. But when Shukadeva comes, he says, you speak. Right? So this is etiquette. So Mahaprabhu is teaching us, and Prabhupada quotes here, uh, that <coughs> the quote is the conversation between Ramananda Roy and Mahaprabhu. Right? That if the, uh, regardless of where the uh, guru comes from, uh, uh, it is said in their conversation, the Ramananda Sambhava, that even if the guru is apparently from a shudra background, if he knows the science of Krishna, say Krishna Tattva better, if he knows Krishna Tattva, he should be accepted as the guru. Yeah. Which was the case in Raman the Roy's case, actually. Because by caste, he was considered kayasta, which is technically like a shudra caste. But he's not, he's not a shudra. He's the most elevated Paramahamsa Vaishnava. When Mahaprabhu and Ramananda Roy, when they saw each other, Ramananda Roy came in on an elephant. Right? You imagine, uh, one of the devotees arrives outside the temple on an elephant. Huh? Wearing a turban and very opulent. And imagine, one of the devotees came up the street on an elephant. What would you think? <laughs> you know, wearing a nice turban and like, you know, sitting. Uh, what would you think? Yeah, wow. 
a very special person. Who is this? Right? He's either completely intoxicated or he's a very, very elevated person, a like, very exceptional person. So as soon as Ramananda Roy arrived, right, then uh, Mahaprabhu saw him, and as soon as they saw each other, they understood, ooh, this is the most elevated person. Yeah. So then they came, and Mahaprabhu said, let us speak. Uh, but then they said, we'll meet privately, uh, because what we will speak is not public knowledge. Uh, it is very intimate knowledge. So we're learning very, we're learning a number of things from this chapter about Guru Tattva. Uh, who is qualified to be Guru? Who is qualified to be Guru? One who understands the science of Krishna. Actually, Shri Prabhupada wanted every devotee in Islam to become a Guru. That's Prabhupada's actual instruction. All of my followers should become Gurus. Prabhupada actually instructs like this. So then you can say, well, uh, you know, I'm not qualified to be a Guru. No, you are qualified. Right? You're the Guru of your son or daughter. That's Guru. Mother and father are the first Gurus. Right? Or you're a Shiksha Guru, uh, which means you give instruction. All of us instruct someone. So we're all Gurus on one level. Right? Someone comes to us for advice. Uh, so we're a Shiksha Guru to someone. Right? And then some of us may have to become Diksha Guru. Right? May have to take that role. So this is the, uh, if you know the science of Krishna, then you have that responsibility. Right? So it's being, it's being said here, there are many instructions here about Guru Tattva. Right? How to understand the Guru, what is the position of the Guru. So this chapter is an important chapter. So we'll stop there. We'll see if there's any questions, any comments. Yeah, it's a nice question. Uh, if you go to many of the temples in India, like have you, have you been to Mayapur? Uh, do you remember the yoga pit? Yeah, do you remember, did you go to Godrundu, to Bhaktivinotaku's house? Yeah, so these places, when you go there, there are Shiva Lingas in the temple, very common. Also in Vrindavan, uh, there are many Shiva Lingas, uh, Gopishwara Mahadeva said many. So, uh, in Iskand, Prabhupada did not uh, install the Shiva Lingas in the temples. Probably, I don't know, you know why Prabhupada did not do that. You know, if we did have a nice little temple outside somewhere for Lord Shiva, that would be nice, actually. I would like it. I would like to go and pray to Lord Shiva. But maybe Prabhupada did not want to confuse everyone. Because you know? it's hard enough to get them to even understand Krishna is God. And then they go, okay, Krishna is God, and then we also have Shiva Linga over here, and this is Brinda Devi, and this, you know, it's I mean, this is all confusing enough. You know, you walk in here for the first time, some Western people, there's a man sitting there, right? A statue of a, of a man, a guru. You know, I remember one time I had a group of school kids in here. You know, about a hundred school kids, I was giving a talk, and then one of the kids put their hands up, and they said, how come the man there has not blinked? 
They thought Coral Bob was actually real. They said, how come he's not blinked? He said, I've been looking at him for half an hour, he's not blinked. <laughs> so I actually asked him. And I said, oh, actually he's a statue. He's not, not that. So, you know, it's enough, they just come in, oh, we have a statue of a guru. And then we have a plant. I remember one time we, uh, we had a group of scouts. They actually slept the night. They stayed in the theater, they actually slept the night. They got up for Mongolati. There about 20 scouts, so they came in. They did Mongolati. <laughs> and then after Mongolati, we shut the doors and we put the plants in the middle. And we start going around the plants and bowing down to the plants. And all the scouts were going like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> This is very interesting. <laughs> they did everything with us. They did everything with us nicely. They bowed down, they put the water on top of it. Imagine, and then they leave. And they think, wow, these are very nice people, but some of the things they think are very extraordinary. You know, they bow down to plants. <laughs> it's like, we're not ordinary people. You know, so that's probably why Prabhupada did not put Shiva Lingas and like this, because it's, I mean, there's enough here. I mean, Lord Jagannath, people look at Lord Jagannath, and just the way he looks for a new person, they think, oh, this is God. This is how God looks. Then we have to explain, oh, there's a whole pastime where he looks like this. So it's not so easy. So maybe, I don't know why, but maybe Prabhupada did not, for those reasons. So it's a good question. But we should pray to Lord Shiva. I pray to Lord Shiva every day. Before I chant my japa, I pray to Lord Shiva, I said, please, let me come into Vrindavan. Please help me to remove my false ego so that I can enter into Vrindavan. Okay. Any other question? That's it? Okay. Shall I Jai.